Well, good morning and welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones, and we are so glad that you are here with us today for the beginning of our three-part series, Keeping Up with the Joneses. As you catch on, that is my last name. Uh, There was discussion between Trent, Evan, and myself. They said, Tim, we've got to name this series after you because you're just so awesome, you know? And so... They said, hey, besides that being your last name, you know, you're just so much better. I mean, we can't keep up with you, Tim. You know, uh, we can grow, you know, goatees, but you're the only one who can grow hair. Check this out, you know. (laughs) So they said, your hairline is the best. And then Evan said to me, hey, Tim, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't sound so good at worship. Um, If I weren't able to lip sync to your pre-recorded voice, um, you know, worship wouldn't be that great. So now if you buy into that, then I have a piece of land right here in Florida that I would love to sell to all of you. Uh, But anyways, you know, don't worry about trying to keep up with me. I can't even keep up with my six-year-old who beats me almost every time now in matching memory card games. She beat me 24 to six last time we played. Uh, So don't worry about trying to keep up with me. Now, speaking about keeping up with the Joneses, isn't it amazing how much that it's in us to compare ourselves to just about everything in this world? I mean, it's just in us, you know? We look to the left, we look to the right, you know, we just try to get like better. You know, we want to be better, we want to be bigger, we want to be stronger, we want to be richer, we want to be just like more-er, you know? And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're a Christ follower or not, whether you're old, whether you're young, we all struggle with this thing of comparison. Now, for example, you know, um, we have just kicked off the football season, all right? So by hoot and holler, how many of you are excited about the beginning of football? Okay, that was kind of weak. All right, on count of three, on hoot and holler, how many of you are excited about football? Hey, there we go. Let's try this out. Now, I want you to yell out on the count of three, what's your favorite team, okay? So, one, two, three. Oh, man. Look at that. I mean, we got people standing and everything. You know, hey, we got Jaguars over here. I mean, there we go. Look at that. And you know what? I mean, like, if we, like, talked about our favorite teams, I mean, you guys almost, like, got in a fight there, and you didn't have anything in you yet, you know? I mean... I could see it now, observer, church fight, because pastor brings up sports teams in service, you know? But uh, isn't it just in us, you know? I mean, and this is how kind of like comparison impacts my family, all right? So it's kind of embarrassing, but I'm going to share this with you. Uh, So you would think like at my age that I wouldn't wrestle with like comparison or struggle with that and everything. Um, But I have, and I do. And uh, this past uh, year, it kind of came out to even be a little stronger. So I am a Michigan Wolverines fan, okay? So, hey, what, huh? Hey, we're doing better. Anyways, uh, and my wife is a Michigan State Spartan fan, okay? Yeah, boo on that, you know? She's not here. You can do that. But um, so anyways, um, it hasn't been too bad. It's not like I'm married to an Ohio State fan, you know? That would have never happened, you know? Yeah, you bet. No way. Jose, all right? Uh, So anyways, it hasn't been too bad. I get some flack from like my outlaws, I mean my in-laws, because they're like huge Michigan diehard state fans. They went to state, you know? Uh, So I get a little flack from them, but it hasn't been too bad until we had kids, okay? So when we had kids, they started buying some Michigan state stuff for my kids, all right? And it didn't stop there. 
Like, you know, I thought, all right, you know, let them have a little fun and stuff. It, it won't hurt and everything. But they kept on buying state stuff for my kids. And then to make things worse, uh, state has had a better record for like the last seven years uh, over Michigan. And so I've been kind of getting a little envious and a little jealous, you know, it's like, come on, you know, what is this and everything. And so I'm like, Tim, come on, give it a break, you know, like it's just football. But then I thought, and this is how mature I am, I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to buy my kids some Michigan shirts. So we go up to visit my parents in Michigan, and I come up with this plan. I'm going to sneak out with Audrey and Trevor, my two oldest, and we're going to go get some Michigan t-shirts for them. So we go on out. They're super excited. And by the time we get home, they're like convinced that they are now Michigan fans. I'm like, yes, you know? And I thought, well, wouldn't it be a great idea like to put the t-shirts on my kids and for their mama to see that, you know? Uh, so they walk in and they're all proud of their shirts and everything. And they're telling their mama, we are now Michigan Wolverine fans. And I'm like, yeah, you know? And then I see my wife's face, okay? Yeah, you're laughing. And I wasn't laughing in that moment. It's a face I've seen before. It's a face that I've seen as well. It was that face of just like dejection. I mean, she was just obviously like, what? What happened to my kids? And that's the same thing that I had been feeling the whole time. So I recognize that. And I'm just like, oh, we got to come up with something. And we have, you can see me after the service on what we're doing. But anyways, it just reminded me of just how many times in my life where I want to be like the better or the best in something, you know? And it reminded me of how many times I have failed at being better or the best in something. And when that happens, I get dejected. Now, one of the hardest things for me to do is actually be up here on stage, okay? Like, I've had many conversations with God of like, no way. Like, why in the world would you want me up here? You know, God, let's have a conversation about this. Like, every time I get up here on the stage and, you know, I see somebody else speak or something like that, I just see them speak and I'm like, I'm no good at this. You know, I stink, you know? And we've had many conversations of like, God, you know, let me remind you if you forgot, you know, like I was a kid who didn't start talking until I was four years old. And I had a major speech impediment, which took like six years for me to learn how to get over. God, I'm like a major introvert, you know? Um, I just do this thing horribly, you know? Like, God, you don't want to use me. Why in the world do you continue to want to do that in my life? And in that moment, he reminds me, Tim, there is no win in comparison. There's no win in comparison. And I thought, you know, that's a message that we all need to hear from God. It is so important that we listen to that message that there is no win in comparison. I mean, we've all been there. We've all tried to be like better, right? You know, we've all thought, you know, let me get the shoes, you know, the better shoes than everyone else. Let me get the better grade than everyone else. You know, let me get the better date. Let me get the better, you know, job, spouse, house, you know, uh, car, friends. Let me just have more of it. Let me get better in it. Let me be the biggest or let me be bigger. Let me be stronger. Let me be richer. You know, we all want to live in this thing called the land of Ur, you know? We want to be better. It's just in us, you know? And if we don't get more Ur, then often what happens in our lives is someone else gets it. 
you know? Someone else gets what we want. And we don't say this out loud, you know? But uh, often, um, we just say, you know what? They got it. I didn't. Man, I kind of wish something might happen to them. You know, not something like awful, you know? But, you know, it's not fair that they got it, you know? And this happens all the time. Like we don't get some promotion that we think that we deserve and somebody else gets that promotion. And we're like, you know, to their face, hey, congratulations. But behind their back, we're like tearing them apart. Or let's take this earth thing like into the land of our kids or something, you know? Now we don't say this because we're Christians, right? Or some of you do and you get an elbow from your spouse. But, you know, we bring it into our kids' worlds. Like we're at their spelling bee and we're like hoping like every single kid misses that one word so that our kid wins the whole thing. Or maybe we're at their basketball game and it comes down to the last shot and the other team goes to make that shot and we're like, miss it, you know? So that our team wins. Or uh, another way that comes out is maybe there's a kid on the team and our kids are always on the bench, but this kid kind of mouths off all the time. I mean, we're just hoping that he gets in trouble with the coach or something. So, you know, that way he gets benched and our kid actually gets a chance. Now, for some of us, you know, uh, when we look to the left or when we look to the right, you know, we're not just like, you know, satisfied with being better. We want to be like the best. For so, so for some of us, you know, we just move on and we're like, hey, you know what? Like, I want to be the best. I want to be the prettiest. I want to be the skinniest. You know, I want to be the richest. You know, I'm all about being est. You know, I want to be the best. And so some of us think that way. And we don't think anything of it because for us, you know, we're just trying to reach our full potential. But yet, if we pause, if we stop, This is why some of us are struggling to keep our spouse or to keep our families because there's something in us that continues to push us to be at work later and later. Or for some of us, this is why some of our relationships are taking a hit because we just want to be the best in something. Or this is for some of us the reason that we just, you know, uh, continue to struggle with uh, wanting to be the best in that realm. And so for some of us, we just want to get promoted And it takes a toll on our health. It takes a toll on our body. And yet we keep on pushing. There's something in us that wants to be the best. And yet everything else takes a hit. And so some of us, we kind of go to the other extreme. The other extreme is this. You know, the other extreme is we've tried to be like better or the best. And we learned that, you know, a long time ago, there's no use for us to compare because we just can't like, you know, measure up. And so we weigh ourselves and we say, you know, we've tried to be better. We've tried to be the best. You know what? It's no use. I'll never get there. And so for some of us, we check out and we go in the other direction. For some of us, we want to be Mr. Right or Miss Right. And because we couldn't attain that, uh, we just say, you know what? The next person who shows interest in us, we'll just go with them. Or for some of us, you know, we're in a marriage and we've wanted to have a better marriage or the best marriage and it's not working out. And so we just kind of give up. Or for some of us, you know, we want that promotion or we want another job, but yet we never get that promotion, we never get that job, so we just settle and say, you know what, this is all I'm going to ever be in life, you know? And so for some of us, we just continue to check out. We continue to get stuck because we stop trying, because we learn that we'll just never get there. And so we end up hurting ourselves, we end up hating ourselves, and we end up living with regret. And sometimes disengaging from the people who love us the most and who need us the most. So, if there's one thing that I want you to hear today, I mean, whether the power goes out and we got to go home, or whether, you know, there's an emergency, or whether you just fall asleep, 
This is the one thing that I think God wants all of us to hear. There is no win in comparison. There is no win in comparison. And some of you, this is why you're struggling so much because you're comparing yourself and you're destroying yourself, you're destroying your spouse, you're destroying your family, you're destroying your finances, you're destroying your future because you're trying to keep up and you're trying to get better or you're trying to become the best or you've gone the other way and you've just given up. And so if there's one thing that we need to learn today, no matter how often we look to the left or to the right, there is no win in comparison. And when we look to the left or when we look to the right, we find ourselves going to places that we never wanted to go and end up living with regret. So today, this is what I want to do. I actually want to check out this one guy's story. He was the wisest person on earth. And this guy, he had everything. And then he lost everything. And so if there's one person to listen up to, it's this person who learned from God that there is no win in comparison. And I think we need to wrestle with that subject because we're always looking to the left or to the right. So what I want you to do is turn to the book of Ecclesiastes. That's in the Old Testament. So it's kind of hard to find if you got an iPhone or some kind of device, you can bring it up if you got your Bible on there. If you don't have a Bible, let me let you know that there are always Bibles on the back and you are free to have that for free. So if you don't have a Bible, grab one. Uh, But I want you to turn and kind of keep your finger in that chapter, Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse four. And so go ahead and turn there. We're gonna put the verses up on the screen, but it's always great to be able to find uh, these verses in the Bible. So go ahead and turn there and I'll give you a moment to do that. So keep your finger in that passage. And before we dive in, I got to kind of visit some things, all right? So we're going to come back to Ecclesiastes in a second. But I want you to wrestle with this because it kind of begs to, you know, have us ask this question, like, where does comparison come from? You know, where does that thing that's just in us come from? And so as I was thinking about that, um, this story came to mind of actually from Jesus's life. And I think it's a really important kind of little thing to check out here for a second. And so here's Jesus near the end of his life um, and he's done no wrong. And the Jewish religious leaders of the day, you know, are trying to, you know, say he's not the man, he's done wrong, he's not God. And so we're going to, you know, set him up here to be done with him and get, get him out of here, you know? And so here's uh, these Jewish religious leaders and they take him to the Roman governor at that time, Pontius Pilate. And it's so cool because in two of the gospels or the two, two of the four stories about Jesus, Pontius Pilate reveals when these Jewish leaders bring Jesus, he says, hey, I know why you guys are here. I see right through here. You guys are envious. You are so envious of Jesus. Like Jesus has the crowd, but you don't. You want the crowd. You're the Jewish religious leaders of the day and you want everybody following you and you've been used to that, but Jesus has got these guys. He's got the people and you want that so much. It's envy. And so here's a definition of envy that we need to check out. Envy is a feeling of discontent or covetousness with regard to another's advantages or successes or possessions. Let me read that again. Envy is a feeling of discontent or covetousness with regard to another's advantages, success, or possessions. So this whole comparison thing comes from envy. And when it gets out of hand, it will even lead some people to putting to death an innocent person on the cross. Now, on a different level for us, you know, 
uh, it kind of backs down a little bit, but we have the potential when we allow envy to get out of control that it hurts us and it hurts those who are around us. And so this whole envy thing, we've got to keep in check. You know, we've got to make sure that it doesn't get out of control uh, in that moment. And Solomon, one of the wisest person, we're about to hear what he's going to say, but he said this about envy. He said in Proverbs 14:30, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Did you hear that? Envy rots the bones because there is no win in comparison. So here's this guy who's about to share with us some very important information. This is written almost 3,000 years ago. He was the king of Israel at the time, and he's going to share and give us insight to what God revealed to him that there is no win in comparison. It's a message that God wants us to hear today as well. So let's begin in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 4. This is King Solomon speaking. Then I observed that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. So here's King Solomon saying, all right, guys, you know what? You're wondering, and here's my observations. I've checked out people, you know, their motivation to work, to labor, or just to keep up, it comes from competition, And so when we are tempted to look to the left and to the right, what we're really doing is we're saying, we're kind of judging everyone. We're kind of looking at the lay of the land and saying, you know, how am I doing? Am I okay? Now this comes to play in our lives in many different ways, but one of the ways that we do this is by asking questions. I mean, we don't say these things out loud, but we kind of say, you know, so what's cool? You know, what's the latest thing that I need to be doing? Like, oh, I see that person kind of doing some cool things, going on vacation and stuff. Maybe I need to go on vacation. You know, what's everybody going? What are they buying? You know, what is it that's kind of the in thing? And so we kind of say, are we okay, you know, in the crowd by looking at the crowd? And so, you know, this is written almost 3,000 years ago. And I'm thinking, man, I'm feeling good about myself, right? You know, I mean, they had this issue and that's Solomon's point. Like I'm kind of doing the same thing. I'm saying, wow, this is cool. I'm okay because they messed up and they did the same thing. So we're all okay, you know? And so the statement that Solomon is using right here or what he's trying to sum up and say is simply this. We often look to the left and to the right to make sure or to see if we're doing okay by judging others. And we all see this like, you know, let's say we go to our daughter's, you know, dance class or something. Well, we're looking at our daughter and we're comparing her to the rest of the kids in the class and and see how she's doing. Or for some of us, when we get a brand new job, we go in, we don't know much about the job and we start to compare ourselves to how everybody else is doing. And we kind of say, well, I must be doing a good job because I'm kind of staying on par with everyone else. So Solomon would say that this thing is in us. It's human nature. And if we're not keeping up, It's because we're envious. And so that's what Solomon is saying in this verse. And then he continues, verse four. Then I observed that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. And here's his summary. But this too is meaningless, like chasing the wind. And so if we were to pause and ask King Solomon, what does he think about us looking to the left and to the right and seeing how we're doing? He would say, it's meaningless. It's like chasing after the wind. And if we were in a conversation with him, we would kind of stop and say, hey, you know, like, um, you can't chase the wind. It's invisible, you know? And he would say, exactly, you know? You can't keep up with the wind. There is no finish line when you're chasing after the wind. And just like chasing after the wind brings no satisfaction, when you compare, when you envy what others have, there is no satisfaction in doing that. And so we would say, wow, 
King Solomon, that's amazing. You're so right. You know, well, King Solomon, help me out here. You know, like if we are supposed to like get better because doing something's better is good, right? You know, we're supposed to kind of better ourselves here. Then what are we supposed to do? I mean, just kind of like sit on our hands and do nothing. And here's what the wisest person would say. He would say, I anticipated that you were going to say that. In verse five, he says, fools fold their idle hands, leading them to ruin. So Solomon is saying, hey, I am not telling you guys not to be ambitious. I'm King Solomon. I built like the best temple ever. Some people consider it to be one of the seven wonders of the world. I built the best gardens. I built a magnificent kingdom. Kings and queens come from all over the known world at that time to ask me for wisdom and and to help them. I have 700 wives, 300 concubines. I have people to see, all right? I am King Solomon. I have more gold than Fort Knox. So I'm not telling you not to be ambitious. What I'm telling you to be is you've got to do something because sitting on your hands and doing nothing leads your life to ruin. So now that he's got our attention, we're kind of asking the question of, all right, then give it to us. Now, if there's a verse to memorize, if you've ever been tempted to memorize a verse or if you need a challenge, all right, This would be an amazing verse to learn because this is such a profound statement that he's about to say. Verse six, and yet better to have one handful with quietness. In other translations, it says tranquility, peace, means the same thing. I love in the NIV, it says peace. So better to have one handful with peace than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. Now, this is a very important expression in the Jewish culture, okay? So to have one hand open means that a person is trusting God to put whatever he wants into their lives and also trusting God if he wants to pull something from their lives, that they are trusting him, that they say, you know what, God, you know better. And so it's better to have one hand open than two fists clenched around things that we're chasing after. And so when we open our hands and we have one open hand, then God can put peace in our lives because we're not looking to the left or looking to the right. We're satisfied with what he's gonna put into our hands and what he's going to do in our lives because we're saying, God, I trust you. Now, for us that want to kind of like put two hands on things and clinch it and chase after more things, he says, this is, explains why you will never be satisfied. You will never have peace because you will constantly be looking to your left and looking to your right, which will never bring any satisfaction. And so this statement is huge. The wisest man on earth said better to have one hand open full of peace than two hands or two fists clenched wanting more. And so I thought it would be appropriate just to repeat that phrase. I would think it would be huge in our lives if we would just say better to have one hand open. So we're going to put that up on the screens. And I want you to say better is to have one hand open or better to have one handful. So let's say that together. One, two, three. Better to have one handful. Let's say again, better to have one handful. Put your hand out in front of you better to have one handful. And so that's what Solomon would want us to understand in this moment. Could you imagine 
if we got that phrase down and it was in our heads, and the next time we go after something to chase after it and we want that one thing, that those words come to mind. Better to have one hand full. The next time we think that we need one more business deal and uh, it means that we're gonna miss doing stuff with our spouse or with our kids, that phrase comes to mind. Better to have one hand full. Or the next time we go to compare our daughter to another daughter or something, that phrase comes to mind, better to have one handful. Or the next time that we think that our son should be just like us, and he's not. And that phrase comes to mind, better to have one handful than looking to the left or looking to the right and expecting our kids to be exactly like us. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if we lived with this one hand open rather than two hands clenched and always wanting more. That's the type of life that God wants to give to us. And that's Solomon's big point. But then he continues. So let's see what else he adds to this. Uh, He kind of wants to make, bring it home for us. So verse seven, he says, I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. And so, you know, it's kind of funny that we're talking about meaningless things, but yet, you know, we're uh, getting some sense out of them. Verse eight, this is the case of a man who is all alone. Now we don't know if this is like a friend or an illustration that he's using, but he says, hey, this is the case of a man who is all alone without a child or a brother. And back in that culture, man, if you didn't have a son and as an heir, your stuff wasn't passed along to your family. Unfortunately, women were treated as second class in that culture. And so to a man back then, if they didn't have a male heir, that was an issue. And so here's this case of a man who's all alone, yet works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. So here's Solomon, um, who's talking about this friend or category of people. And this person works and works and works and works. You know, uh, They are never content. There's always something to do in life. There's always one more goal to attain. There's always one more mountain to climb. And for some reason, this man just stops and he pauses and he puts the brakes on. And he comes to a screeching halt and he asks this question. And it's a very, very, very insightful question that we all need to ask. And he says in verse eight, who am I working for? Who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? And this is a great question by this guy. This guy is saying, who am I working for? What is it that's in me that keeps on churning and pushing for more and more and more stuff? You know, who am I trying to keep up with? Who am I trying to please? You know, I get this family and I'm not satisfied. I get this boat and I'm not satisfied. I get this house. Now it's a four bedroom house instead of a three bedroom house. What is it that's in me that keeps driving to get richer, to get better, to get, you know, the best of everything. And yet it's not satisfying. And in that moment, if Solomon were to speak to his friend, he would say simply this, when you look to your left and when you look to your right, that's who you were trying to take your cue from. That's how you're trying to define whether your life is okay or not. And the only person to blame is you. It's your fault. You're the one who's pushing and pushing and pushing. It's not God. God wants us to live with one hand open, not two fists clenched. And, you know, Solomon's kind of funny. 
at least I think he's kind of funny, uh, to kind of like, you know, nail this point home. I love how encouraging he is, all right? At the end of this verse, he goes, it is all so meaningless, you know, and depressing. That'll encourage you, right? You know, meaning this, when we have two fists full and we're trying to reach out for a third one, it will never be satisfying. It means that no matter how smart your kids are, it will never be satisfying to you. It means that no matter how rich you can get or no matter how beautiful your wife is, it will always fail when you're looking to the left, when you're looking to the right, it will not be satisfying. So Solomon's whole point at this point, the bottom line is there is no win in comparison. There's no win in comparison. And that's what he wants us to learn. Here's the guy who did all these great things, who had all the wisdom in the world. And he's saying this to us. He's saying, you know what? No matter what you accomplish, no matter what your family does, no matter what you get, there is no win in comparison when we are envying what others have. And so what do we do with that, you know? So over the next couple of weeks, we are going to examine what it means to have one hand open. And we're going to examine what that will do in our lives. What will happen to you? What will happen to those who are around us when we live like that? And But before we do that in the next couple of weeks, there's this one question. There's this one question that we need to ask, all right? If we were to stop and pause, we need to ask this question. So what is it that we're comparing ourselves to? What are we looking to in order to say that we are okay? What is our reference point of saying, this is who I'm going to be because I'm looking at this one thing? What is your mirror? And for some of you, you like have it pop in your mind. You know exactly, it's like this person that I want to be like, you know, I feel like if I reach this point in my finances, then I'll be okay, you know. What is your mirror? Now, to help us flush that out, I've got some questions that I want to ask us to kind of stir some things up because those are some of the things that we need to ask and maybe it's not coming to you. So here's one of the questions I want to ask. Who are you trying to keep up with? You know, for some of you, you think of that one person that's like, man, I just don't want to hear what they're doing. You know, I don't want to hear where they're going on vacation. You know, I just wish I lived on a farm. That way I couldn't like see them every day, you know, and wouldn't know what they're doing or where they're going on vacation because I'm trying to like tired of keeping up. I don't know how they do it and everything, but who are you trying to keep up with? The other question that we need to ask, what's putting you in debt? You know, we have this need to feel like we need the latest, greatest, you know, gadget in our lives. We need the latest iPhone, iPad, iPod, you know, the I want to be in debt next thing, you know. What is it? What's driving us? What are we looking at and saying, you know what, that's what I need in my life? Why is it? Why are we going into debt over these things? Another question is, are you looking at what others have instead of enjoying what you have? And so you got that neighbor who's got like that four bedroom house or that five bedroom house and you got like that three bedroom house, you know? And every time you go over there, you're like, man, can I just camp out over here? I love your house, you know? And you're, you're wanting a larger house. You think if you get that house, it's going to bring you ultimate satisfaction. Or for some of you ladies, you know, when you go to work, there's this guy and he's just so nice. He always listens to you. And you just wish that your husband would be more like him or for you guys, you go to work and there's this great woman who just is always encouraging, always listening to you. 
You know, when we look to the left and when we look to the right, we will never be satisfied. And we will never enjoy what God has given us. And there will always be something that we desire when we look to the left and when we look to the right. Now, this final question, if you've got kids, here you go. Do you enjoy your kids? Or are you just like tired of them? You know, you're just like, man, I wish my kids were more like and fill in the blank, you know? And you just look at your kids and they are a headache to you instead of being a joy, you know? You look at your kids and you just say, I wish my kid were more like me. Is that what you're doing to them? Are you comparing? How long is that gonna last? When are they gonna come home? So what are you doing? How are you looking to the left? How are you looking to the right? You see how dangerous this is? There is no win in comparison. There's no win in comparison. And so this is what God would have us to do. If we would learn to have one hand open, he will bring peace. He'll bring satisfaction into our lives. But if we continue to keep two hands clenched and always desiring more and more and more, we will never find the peace that God intends for our lives. And we're only hurting ourselves and we're only hurting the people around us. So during this series, we're going to check out what God and how he wants us to live. And on your way out today, we're going to give you this card because we need to ask this question, what is our reference point? What is our mirror? And the questions that I just asked you, they're on there as well. This week, some of you know exactly what that is right now. And so in a moment here, the band's going to come out and we're going to sing. And I want you during this song to just say, God, wow, I just never knew. I've been comparing I haven't been trusting you. And so God, would you forgive me and teach me how to live with one hand open? And for some of you, you're like, you know, I need to wrestle with that this week. And so just tell God during our prayer, during the song, God, I really want to wrestle with this. I can see how this is not good for my life. And I want to learn how to have one hand open. And so that's where we're going in this series. We're going to see what God intends for our lives rather than what we intend for our lives. So join me in praying to end the service and then the team's gonna come out and lead us in a song. So Father, we just thank you for today. God, we thank you that you are just amazing, that you would speak this into this person's life almost 3,000 years ago. And it's the same subject that we keep wrestling with. There might be new things out there, but God, we are always trying to keep up with someone or something. And so, Lord, you know that that will never bring satisfaction when we're not ultimately trusting you. And so, Father, would you teach us how to live with one hand open? God, would you teach us what it is that you want us to learn? Father, thank you for speaking this into our lives. Thank you for teaching us more of what you desire for us. Thank you for being so good, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Like Evan said, welcome to Epic. My name is Chris. I've got just a couple of quick announcements for you before we continue with our service. First of all, if you are new with us and you get an opportunity after service, stop by our Connection Center. It's on the other side of the curtains over there. We just want to get an opportunity to maybe meet you personally or answer any questions that you may have. 
Well, today's the last day for our food drive, and for the entire month, we've been promoting this food drive, and it's been such an overwhelming response from all of you. It's been amazing. I, I remember throughout the month coming in and looking after first service, and I see the table, and it's full of bags, and I see the floor, and it's full of bags, and then our volunteers come in, and they take it out of there, and they load their cars, and I come back second service, and the table's full of bags, and the floor is full of bags. It has been so awesome, and I want you to realize that this is to support and assist families right here in Flagler County, that there are people that maybe your kids go to school with or people that you know that are not gonna have to worry about where their meal is coming from this coming weekend or in the near future because you chose to give back to our community because you chose to help somebody less fortunate than you. So thank you very much for that. Give yourself a round of applause. That's awesome. And to continue um, with that, we have another opportunity for you to go out and serve our community. And based on my shirt here, this is a 3G Sunday event that we are putting on a few weeks from now on October the 18th. And what that is, is that we're all going to meet, and for you second service people, we're going to meet early, as if we were going to go ahead and do first service together. But the room is not going to be set up the way it is here, because we're going to get together and then we're going to form into groups, and we're going to go out, and we're going to serve our community. We're going to be the church on that day. And the reason we do that is because we want our community to know that we are for them, and we support them. So what we're going to do is we're going to partner with nonprofit organizations. We're going to partner with the school. We're going to partner with the city of Palm Coast. And we're going to go out there and serve our community to gain influence with our community and with its leaders. So we have, if you look right now on your seat, you should have what we call a 3G card, front and back. Take a look at all of these projects here. We're going to paint we're going to build, we're going to repair, and landscape, and feed people, and clean up, and love on people, and there's a ton of different things to do. So take a look at this card, and when you decide that maybe one of these projects suits you, go online to theepicchurch.com and go ahead and sign up. Some of these projects have a limited amount of uh, volunteer positions, so you want to get signed up early. Now, there are going to be opportunities for children, students, and adults, so check those out. Now, we will have child care here for nursery up to kindergarten, okay? So while you're out doing the projects, if you've got young ones, we'll provide child care. You'll need to sign up online for that as well, so we want to make sure we have an appropriate amount of volunteers to keep an eye on the kids. The reason why we don't have child care for first grade and up is because, as you can see on the card, there are age groups next to the projects. We have opportunities for first grade and up. So what an awesome opportunity to go out with your kids if you have them or with you know, just some kids in general and show them how rewarding it is to go out and serve alongside of them. Let them learn at an early age that it is rewarding to give to somebody else. So make sure you do that. And lastly, I just want to say that it's because of your willingness to help out and because of your generosity that we've been able to give back so much to the community here. And, and, be, and it's one of the reasons we've been so successful at Epic Church. And if you want to continue to support Epic Church and all that it does, and you want to partner financially with Epic, there are two ways that you can do that. Once again, you can visit our website, which is theepicchurch.com. You can click on the giving tab and give securely online, or you can utilize the giving boxes that are set up just behind the seating sections on the tables. Now, Tim Jones is getting ready to come out in just one minute. We have a new series kicking off today. It's a pretty cool one. I think you'll enjoy it. But before Tim comes out, just go ahead and watch this video.